Principal Matters Podcast, episode 369. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're going to be talking about connecting through conversation with my special guests, Erica Bear and Tiffany Burns. Erica Bear has been an educator for over 20 years, currently serving as the assistant superintendent in the Ashland School District in Oregon. A special education teacher by training, she is passionate about supporting all students through individual supports to reach their limitless potential. And Tiffany Burns loves working with kids. In her two decades in education, she taught elementary, middle, and high school students. She's worked as an instructional coach, curriculum writer, and university adjunct instructor instructor in Oregon, Alaska, and Mexico. She loves her current role as an elementary school principal where she gets to lead, learn, and play with her favorite people, kids, and their grownups. Together, Erica Bear and Tiffany Burns have authored the book, Connecting Through Conversation, a playbook for talking with students available from Connect Ed Publishing. Erica and Tiffany, welcome to Principal Matters Podcast. It is so great to see you. Why don't you fill in the gaps on those intros and tell listeners something else they may be surprised to know about you. Great. Thank you so much. Well, this is Erica um, and longtime listener. So really thrilled to be here. Um, the one thing that I want to make sure listeners know is that we are also moms and um, both in a state of transition. So my daughter just went off to college this year. She um, moved all the way from Oregon to uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. She's going to Marquette University. So that's been a big adjustment for our family. And then I also have a 10th grade son who is um, keeping us busy every day. And then Tiffany has some similar transitions happening. Well, my kids aren't leaving the house yet. Um, but I have, um, this year I have a ninth grader. Um, so my son's starting high school and then I have a sixth grader. So my daughter started middle school. And for me, I have got to be lucky enough to have, um, to have both of my kids be at the, well, I got to go to their school. So I was the principal at the school they went to. And this is the first year that I don't have one of my kids at school. And it's been, a, um, they're doing great. It's been real hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a bit of a challenge, yeah. but Will, you, you had, you got to be principal at your kid's school too. I right? did. My two oldest went to and graduated from the high school where I was principal. And now my younger two, um, have finished school without me there. In fact, tonight, as we're recording, it's a, we're recording on a Friday. So tonight's a game night, it's homecoming. Mm -hmm. And our son, Jack, who just turned 18, he's the lead tuba player for the band. And so there's about 10 tuba players in this band. It's a huge band. So last night he came home and was eating a late supper and getting ready for early morning practice and a huge all school pep assembly. And I could hear for our house is close enough to the school this morning on the front porch. I could hear the band just playing across <laughs> the, the neighborhoods. And so it, it, it's hard to explain the joy, isn't it? Of being able to not only do this work, but also watch your kids right in the middle of it. Um, it's yeah. just, there's so much joy before we dive into your amazing book. How did you two meet and what has been your journey in education together? 
Well, so about, I think it was in 2011. It was in 2011. Um, this is Tiffany. Um, Erica and I both started the admin program um, to go and be administrators at Southern Oregon University here in Ashland. Um, and we were in the class, we had this fantastic professor who set up um, really rich conversations and group projects and brought in guest speakers. And really, I mean, Erica was just the smartest person in the room. And she, true. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Um, and, and we both just had this real shared value for, um, for really caring about kids and really being service oriented and really wanting to help out the grownups and the staff. And so we really connected over that. And I mean, basically I decided that Erica was going to have to be my friend. So I kind of made her <laughs> be my friend. Choice. <laughs> There's more to that story. So Tiffany asks the best possible questions. And what she really does is get folks to think about why we're continuing to do something the same way if it isn't working or really digging deeper into why we wouldn't be able to make a shift that would be a benefit to kids. And we just really enjoyed collaborating and on and writing even during that time while we were in school together. So it's, and we were fortunate enough to start as administrators in the same district at the same time. So we've really um, lived how important it is to have kind of a professional um, best friend that you can really connect with and collaborate with and commiserate with. So that's been our journey. One of the things that was so interesting to me when I was, and I've just finished your book, by the way, congratulations and listeners, the name of their book, Connecting Through Conversation, a playbook for talking with students. And what struck out, stuck out to me at the very beginning of the book was your admission that as you were looking for a good resource for teachers and educators on the, one of the most important things we do, which is hard conversations, important conversations, navigating conversations with kids. You couldn't find a resource that gave you those nitty gritty, that gave you a playbook, that gave you scripts. So you guys created one. So congratulations. This is such, such a helpful resource. And I can't wait to to just dive into parts of it. And of course, I want to commend listeners and encourage them to reach out and get their own copy. But let's start with why do you believe that behavior is communication. Yeah, thanks, Will. So my background is as a special education teacher. So my heart lives with kids who who have historically struggled, either academically or behaviorally. And I've also had the opportunity to spend so much time with some brilliant school psychologists and behavior analysts that have really helped shape our thinking around this. Um, and the first thing that we make sure that everyone who we are working with that is serving kids understands is that a behavior is what they did not who they are. And that's such an important frame for everyone, most importantly, the student, because what we know is it's really pretty easy to think about changing a behavior. We're not able to think about changing who we are as a person. And so really making sure that we are framing for everybody that a student's behavior is what they did, not who they are. Um, and we also know that behavior serves a function. And we use an acronym that we, um, we adapted from um, teaching, well, formerly teaching tolerance, now learning for justice. Is that right, Tiffany? Did I get that? Um, and it is EATS, and that stands for escape. We say attain connection or attention seeking, sensory or, or sensory or stimulation needs. And so if we can think about those as what they're trying to communicate to us, 
they're trying to let us know that they have some unmet need and it's going to come down to one of those things. And if we can get at what that need is, then we can get to our favorite thing, which is the teaching part, right? So if we can know what the function is, then we can get into thinking about how we can prevent the behavior. So changes to the environment, educator actions, how can we shift what's happening for that kiddo to prevent it? teach replacement behavior. So again, if they can't communicate it to us in a way that is healthy or school appropriate or works in that environment, how can they do that? And they don't have that skill yet. So we have to teach them and then reinforce the heck out of it when they're getting it right is kind of the the three step to that that we try and do. Um, Because we know that kids will always do well when they can. If they have the skill, they will. Doing well is always preferable to not doing well. Um, And so If they're not, then we know that they're trying to let us know something. And so getting through that communication gap is is really important. Well, you guys are the masters of coming up with handles so that people can (laughs) hold on to. So, so, and you just used one, which is eats. And it's so explained again to listeners what that means. Sure. So eats um, is an acronym for the- Yes, E-A-T-S. And that is an acronym for the functions of behavior. And those are escape, Attain connection, tangible gain, sensory or stimulation needs. So anything that has to do with that sensory. So we know our behavior analysts know, our school psychologists know that when we boil down any behavior, the function comes down to one of those four things. Mm. So understanding the why before you're trying to address the action. And so when you say behavior is what you do or what you did, not who you are, you're trying to give your students the same courtesy that you would hope someone would give you, which is, hmm, I wonder what the motivation is for that behavior. Right. That that makes so much sense, Erica. And I guess the follow-up question I'm going to have, because I'm playing the devil's advocate, is <laughs> how does a, how does an educator learn to do that? Yeah, it, you know, sometimes it is just a matter of asking the question when we kind of stop and think and go, okay, so what was happening right before this? What was the, what is the environment like? What were some of the things that happened in the classroom? Was I, was I asking them to do something that's really hard for them? Was it really loud? Really looking at um, what we call antecedents or that thing that happens right before a behavior Paying attention to that can give us a ton of information. And then really looking at what was the consequence of the behavior. And so a consequence is neither good or bad, right? It's just what happened as a result. What was the outcome? What was the thing that occurred? So a consequence could be the whole class was laughing and we were having a good time together because I made a funny joke, even if it was at an inappropriate time. That's the consequence that the student is feeling. Or if they, um, you know, kind of, made a really inappropriate comment in the middle of a test and got kicked out of class, the consequence for them was that they didn't have to finish taking that test, (laughs) right? So thinking about what are the consequences, what was happening right before, and how are they bridging that? And it really can just be asking those questions. Um, When it's really serious, when it's a, you know, kind of a pattern of behavior, then we do, our experts at this are, of course, those, those school psychologists and behavior analysts. But anyone can ask those questions and come up with some pretty good theories about where that's coming from. Well, the, I'm going to make a, and you know, me and analogies, I'm going to make an analogy <laughs> that may or may not work. But when I was reading your book, Eric and Tiffany, I, um, it's so obvious that this book was written from years of experience with kids in, in schools. And it's almost like 
if I was a young doctor trying to understand, follow shadow a veteran doctor who is walking into rooms, talking to people, and he just, and I'm talking about a good veteran doctor, he or she has the ability to just immediately kind of diagnose what's going on, understand their patients, figure out what the medications are going to be. And you're kind of standing there puzzled, like, how'd they know that? Mm-hmm. And and so one of the things I appreciate about this first point is that you are very careful before you start prescribing a, sol- a solution or an action to first understand and diagnose the problem, uh, which is so important. And, and so with that in mind, Tiffany, I would love for you to talk for just a minute about in the book where you guys talk about how educators have to learn to care out loud. What do you mean by that? And why is that important? Well, thanks. Thanks, Will. Um, well, really, it's important that kids see and hear how much we care about them. So they internalize that. So we need to let them know all the time that we care about them and that we see who they are. We're recognizing who they are as individuals. Um, And the idea with that especially is that kids don't automatically come to school and just know that the grownups there love and care about them. Like they, you know, we all know we went into education because we love kids. We care about kids. We're wanting to, you know, help work with them. Um, But sometimes we need to, um, do more reminders for students or sometimes if kids are maybe making choices that aren't the best choices or they're making, we call them kind of unexpected behaviors. Um, like say there's a student who is, um, really frequently, um, not getting their work turned in on time. They're showing up to class late They're They're maybe a bit more disorganized. Um, that teacher might be, um, reminding them to get to class on time. They might be asking them about getting their work in. They might be doing more check-ins. So for the child, they're like, gosh, this lady is nagging at me. Like she is just on my case. I don't think this teacher likes me. And so it's really important for teachers and educators to understand if you aren't telling kids and showing kids that you care about them, they don't know. (laughs) So it's just really important to be explicit and intentional with that. We offer some different kind of sentence frames um, that you're using all the time, not just when kids are making unexpected choices. So things like, I'm so glad you're here. Um, I'm so impressed by you. Um, you know, your success is important to me because you're important to me. Um, you know, you contribute so much to our class. I'm so grateful that you're part of it. And those are just kind of easy things that you just slide into conversation that you're saying all the time. When we say it more then kids are really internalizing it. We're also, oh, sorry, go ahead. (laughs) No, 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 Tiffany. I have some thoughts, but I'm going to, I'm going to hold it because I want you to finish that, that thought. Well, the other thing is that we want to show, um, use regular routines to show that we care. So it's not just talking about that we care about them and saying it, we want to show it, right? And so we want to, you know, some easy ways to do that would be greeting all the students as they arrive, saying goodbye as they leave, um, finding an easy way to recognize birthdays, um, providing really meaningful and specific feedback. I mean, I could just keep going on and on. There are so many different ways that we can show care to our kids. Um, I'm having flashbacks. That's why I interrupted you earlier, because I'm just (laughs) like, like just hearing you talk about this reminds me so much of, of um, classroom teach of the years I spent in the classroom and Mm -hmm. some of the common patterns. I love it that you said regular routines and showing and expressing that you care. And um, 
I'll just tell, I'm sure I've told this story before to listeners, but I'm going to tell it again, but I had a habit that I'm not sure if I caught it or someone taught it to me, or I just in, did it instinctively where um, at the high school level, I would begin every single class with, I'm glad you're here. And then I would just start teaching class and inevitably it would almost, sometimes it would be a week, sometimes two weeks into a, a new group of kids before someone would raise their hand. Fine. It, it almost happened almost every single year. Someone would raise their hand and say, Mr. Parker, why do you tell us every day you're glad we're here? And I thought, wow, this is, and it was always such a great opportunity, but one, it made me realize they don't hear this very often or they wouldn't be asking this question. Mm-hmm. And two, it gave me an opportunity to then give meaning to what I'm saying every day. And I would say something to them like, well, you know what, guys, in, you know, these are high school kids. In America, we have a compulsory education law that requires your parents to send you to school. But I mean, they could have chosen to send you somewhere else, or you could have chosen not to come today, or there's a lot of reasons why you could have just not been in this room. But here you are. And I'm I'm just so glad you're here because I like learning with you. And then I just go on teaching. And so, so that unexpected be that that caring out loud tiffany um why is why is there a direct connection between that caring out loud and then how you manage those hard conversations later i love that you asked that um because our kids need to know that we care about them they need to have that relationship with us like kids need to trust us so they can learn from us And so, I mean, there's that old saying, right? Nobody know, they don't um, care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so really like, especially when we're in those harder conversations or when we're, um, kids have made a choice that's not a good choice. They need to know that, you know, that I still care about you. And, you know, going back to what Erica was saying earlier, that idea of um, behavior is a thing they did, not who they are. That's equally important for grownups, <laughs> you know, like for the adults and the educators to go, wow, you know, I need personally that that mind shift and that frame of going, this is this thing this kid did. This isn't who this kid is. And that allows, you know, it's so much easier for somebody to be able to change or shift behavior to change and shift who you are as a person is a lot to ask and, and really not what we're wanting. We're wanting them to change some of their behaviors. Um, and it's just, you know, when kids know that we care about them, when they feel that they internalize that they want to make us proud, you know, they want to do the right thing. They want to team and partner with us. Support for principal matters comes from Aptigee. More than 3,500 school districts have switched to Aptigee since 2016 for one reason. Aptigee powers the identity of your school. We all know that communication is important, but what are you communicating? If it's just information, you're missing an opportunity to build a school brand around your strengths and values. What I love about Aptigee is how they think and talk about communication as a critical component of building your brand that engages your entire school community. With the Thrill Share platform, Aptigee brings everything you need for school marketing and communications together into a single mobile app. Write a story once and send it across your school website and mobile app, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, text messages, and voice calls. By making it easy to share stories about your strengths, you can control the conversation around your brand. Learn more about Aptigee at aptigee.com and tell them that Principal Matters sent you. 
Support for Principal Matters comes from DigiCoach and its walk-through tool. I want you to picture walking through classrooms, observing teachers and students. In just 10 minutes, you hope to see good instructional strategies and student learning taking place, or maybe you have some questions about something missing from instruction or planning. Instead of taking 30 minutes to write a follow-up email or leaving your teacher unsupported, wouldn't it be great to have an app on your phone or tablet where you could send immediate feedback while also collecting data? Enter DigiCoach, a customizable walkthrough and coaching tool created by school leaders for school leaders with thousands of pre-written, research-based commendations and coaching tips empowering you to provide quick, actionable feedback. DigiCoach is not an evaluation tool. Instead, it is an easy-to-use feedback and coaching tool, an efficient way to store your notes and to collect data for improving student outcomes right in your hands. It can be used on iPhone, Android, or tablets and includes speech-to-text functions. Make the most of your walkthroughs with a tool that saves you time and enhances meaningful feedback to your teachers. Go to digicoach.com to learn more, and please tell them Principal Matters recommended you check them out. That's digicoach.com. So these conversations are both like all good teaching, both Mm -hmm. science and art. They're both heart and smart. And so (laughs) Erica, I want to come back to you with this question because inevitably it doesn't matter how long you've done this or how short you've done this, you're going to encounter power struggles. So what advice do you give to educators to try to avoid these tug of war moments or to navigate through them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I've yet to ask the question, like who has never been in a power struggle and had anyone raise their hand. Um, So I feel like this has happened to all of us and all of these lessons have been hard one um, by by our experience and and talking to folks. Um, So it happens all the time, right? So you ask a student for something or you make a small redirection that feels like no big deal at all. And they respond with this total invitation to rumble. Like they would like to get into it with you for whatever reason. Um, And what we know for sure is that as soon as we've engaged any kind of power struggle with a student, we have lost 100% of the time. So the best course of action is to do everything we can to avoid them in the first place. Um, And so that can be something as basic as making sure that you don't frame non-requests as questions. Um, And that can make a huge difference. So for example, um, when you say to a student, can you please take your seat? You're giving them an opportunity to say no, (laughs) right? So instead, if you could just a small reframe, you might say, you can take your seat or everyone can take their seat now. And um, then it's not demanding, it's not overbearing, but you're not giving a choice because this isn't something where they have, have an option. Um, another technique that we lean on a lot is the, especially at the high school level, I'll say, um, is the say it and run technique. So essentially you share an expectation and then you get out of the way quickly. So for example, if a student puts their phone on their desk right after you reminded everyone to put them away, You might kind of kneel up close to them and say, hey, I'm going to go enter attendance. You can either put your phone in your pocket or your backpack, and then you get out of there. Like you walk away and you start taking attendance. And the reason getting out of the space is so important is because it gives them a minute to think about making the right choice. It also takes away that audience and gives them a real opportunity to save face 
like you're not engaging with them. People aren't watching for how the folks are going to interact. Um, and so it can really help to just walk away quickly. <laughs> um, another re great, uh, another quick reframing that we love is to let students know that we wish they could get what they want. Right. So, um, an example I like to tell, I was at the high school for a long time. So Tiffany's at the elementary school and I, I was at the high school. Um, and when I was there as the principal, we had a pretty serious tardy problem, especially for that first class of the day. Um, and I was chatting with a student that re had really been struggling with this and they were late again. Um, and they just started kind of going on a bit of a tirade about all of the reasons he could not be expected to show up to school on time. It's too early. It's tired. Um, it's dumb that we start so early in the morning, all of these, all of these things. And I just said, you know what? I wish we did start later. I would love to get a little bit more sleep. I, we all know the research on teenage brains. I think it would be phenomenal if our school day started later. Why don't we think about a plan for working with the school board and the different people to really make that change happen? And also, until that change occurs, you need to be in class on time. <laughs> but it just took all the fight out because he wasn't trying to convince me of anything. I absolutely wanted class to start later. So it just takes the fight out. The great news was we were able to move this, the, the start time back. So that was a win for everybody. But just letting them know you're on their side um, can really help as well. I want to ask you a follow-up, Erica, because yeah. I know that you and Tiffany do a lot of training with other educators, staff yep. and teachers, um, especially when you're trying to navigate helping people learn some of these skills, because these are skills. Yes. And I'm just curious, what does that look like when you're trying to teach someone something that may not come instinctively to them, but could be something that they could add to their toolkit? Yeah, so... Um we try and keep it really simple, right? So when we think about these sentence frames, they're like two or three word pieces that we can all kind of remember and internalize it. We want it to be really actionable. When we are do, doing training, we practice. <laughs> we really like try and take some time to make sure that they have an opportunity um, to do that. We um, make sure that we're folks have the opportunity to take that those words or that thing and make it work for them, right? Like sometimes a small shift can make a big difference. Um, and then we try and make it really memorable. So Tiffany um, talks about Kolba, which is a really quick and easy technique that anyone can remember. And that saved me my first year as an elementary principal um, because she shared that with me. So um, that idea of having something quick and easy, the opportunity to practice, um, and that the why behind it is really clear um, can make a big difference. Okay, well, so go ahead, okay. Tiffany, add your thoughts. Well, one of the, you know, part of why we called the book a playbook was we wanted it to be a book that you were able to just grab off the shelf. And like our table of contents is written in a way that you can just quickly, you know, turn to the page like, oh, this is talking about power struggle. Oh, I'm going to have to have, you know, this, I'm in a situation where this kid is you know, I believe that they did this thing. They're lying about it. They're denying. What did they say to do here? And so the idea is that you're able to use it kind of as a reference book that you're taking it out. It's dog-eared, it's highlighted, and you kind of have it on your back pocket. Um, so you can just pull it out when you need it. You know, it's, it's short, so it's a quick, easy read, but it's a book that we're hoping people will turn to again and again, 
for having those tougher conversations. Well, that was another part of the book where I was beginning to have flashbacks was when you're <laughs> seeing students in denial, when you're seeing students that are <laughs> that are trying to pretend like something didn't happen, when you're seeing students who have amnesia, all these things. And I was remembering my first years in school admin because when you move from the classroom to school admin, then you encounter these things like at accelerated amounts, like sometimes the entire day feels like yeah. you're you're having these conversations and and I'll just tell this story really quickly but I was having a sad memory I was remembering my probably my first year in school admin maybe my second having a student in who had done something that was a bad choice and watching him kind of crumble emotionally under the weight of and you said this earlier Erica feeling like what he did defined who he was right and I didn't have the skill set yet as an educator or a leader to know how to navigate that conversation in a better way than watching him just melt down emotionally more deeply than he should have because of how I was handling it. And so, you know, looking back on that situation, it taught me a lot, but at his expense, you know, because, because I had to learn from that situation, mm, I need to approach these conversations differently as I move forward. So what I love about your book is, for, for for people who want to be able to develop skills early in their careers or maybe correct some of their behaviors as they're moving forward with students, you guys give so many examples. And, and I told you this before we started recording, I'm going to put you guys on the spot because I want you to do something that I normally don't ask um, authors to do. And that's, I'm going to ask you to read a part of your book, but not just read it. I'm going to ask you to role play a conversation between a student and a teacher that demonstrates one of the lessons that you teach called acknowledge, validate, and coach. So before we unpack it and explain it, um, I've asked ahead of time Tiffany to play the part of the student and Erica to play the part of the teacher. And just get, and this is just one of the many, many um, scripts and examples you guys give throughout the book. But I just ask you to pick this one. Actually, I picked this one and I and I just wanted you to read it aloud. And then afterwards, I want you to just kind of unpack what happened in this conversation. So Tiffany, you're the student. I'll let you start. Okay. So this is um, an elementary school student and we are on the playground. Recess has ended and um, this student does not want to go inside. And I'm sure people have experienced this. <laughs> okay but I don't wanna go inside. I wanna swing and I didn't get a chance to swing today. Oh, so you're upset that you didn't get to swing today? Yeah, I am. I can see that. It looks like you're mad and sad that you didn't get to swing before recess ended. Yeah, mad and sad, both at the same time. <laughs> I get it. If I really wanted to swing and then I wasn't able to and then recess ended, I would be pretty mad and sad too. Yeah, because they really wanted to swing and they all took way longer and they didn't share. Yep. You really wanted to swing and then you didn't get to and it made you feel mad and sad. Yeah. Well, that makes sense to me. I wonder if we could come up with a plan to make sure you get to swing at the next recess. What kind of plan? Well, I wonder if we could meet outside and I could help make sure that kids take their turns with the swing. Really? Yeah, I can do that. Right now, though, we need to get inside because our class is starting and it doesn't work for you to be out here by yourself. Okay. All right, Tiffany, it, it, what just happened? Because that <laughs> that scenario is one that we have seen in real life when a skilled K-12 
communicator, and you guys call your these connected communicators when a skilled connected communicator is encountering a difficult conversation with a student. So walk us through what just happened there. Yeah. And so, so we, um, this strategy that we're talking about, acknowledge, validate coach, um, it's coined by a licensed therapist. Who's just brilliant. His name's Nando Reynolds and he taught it to us. Um, but this idea is that we start with acknowledgement. So we're really acknowledging what's going on or we're acknowledging feelings. And so the child is saying, look, I don't, I don't want to go inside. I want to stay outside and swing. So the adult is making a guess like, oh, you're mad about that. And, you know, we're watching body language. We're listening to words. Sometimes kids will even say, I'm feeling this. You just acknowledge, um, oh, you're mad and sad. And that's what, you know, Erica was doing. You're, you're upset that you didn't get to swing. Yep. I was upset. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can tell. So what we're doing there when we're acknowledging is we're, we're helping the student understand, I get what you're saying and I get what you're feeling. And then they don't feel the need to continue to kind of explode and show it with their actions. They're like, oh, oh, you do. Yeah, you're right. I am. I am mad and sad. And then once we're like, once we get the emotion or the feeling right, once we're acknowledging what they're feeling and they've you know shown us that they agreed, then we're moving into validation. And so we're talking about really um, kind of normalizing that. Like, I get it. If I wanted to swing and I didn't get a chance to swing, I'd be, I'd be really mad and sad too. That's a really normal emotion. I could totally understand why someone would feel that way. Um, and then once we see that that landed and you can actually see it, you know, land in kids and in adults, honestly, the strategy works for everybody, um, especially your own teenagers at home. Um, <laughs> but you're able to, to really like, you can, you can see it land. You can see their body kind of calm down. They're starting to agree with you. You might get some nods. Um, at that point, once we've done the acknowledging, once we've done the validating, then we can coach. And the coaching is just that little teaching part or that problem solving or, you know, for Erica, she was like, well, why don't we make a plan for the swing for next time? We can figure that out. No problem. And then once the student was like, oh, yeah, well, that's really that'll work for me. Then she was able to just really quickly slide in. Yeah, we're going to do that later. Right now we're going to head back inside. Um, but one of the things we we do as adults that we're very empathetic humans, especially educators, is we try to start with coaching. So a kid is really upset and we jump to that coaching. We jump to that teaching piece and we're moving too quickly. So we pause and acknowledge, validate what they're feeling before we jump to coach. We're that's, that's the way to do it. <laughs> and I know I'm, I'm repeating you, but I'm just going to say it again. Uh, that temptation to jump to coaching means that we're missing out on an opportunity to de-escalate the behavior to make sure that student understands and believes we care about what they're whatever they're feeling thinking um and then we can start offering solutions but that same conversational framework also works for adults oh, and yeah. so for teachers for one another for parents and so this, this is what I just love about your your book Tiffany and Erica is so practical Erica, I want you, before we wrap up, I, I want you to talk about one more thing, and that is the, the closing the loop with caregivers, because not only do you talk about the importance of, of um, these connections, the conversations with students, but you kind of also bring this full circle um, in, in ways to, to make sure you're closing the loop. So talk about what that means. 
Yeah, so when, when a student's had some kind of expected behavior, it's really important to close that loop with a bunch of different people, right? So with the person who reported the behavior, with the student's team, um, and for our purposes, I'm really going to talk about with the caregiver. So with whoever the, the student's primary person is at home or people at home, and that can be really tricky. I remember as, a, as an early in my career administrator, as an assistant principal making those first phone calls home, there were so many times where I hung up the phone and just was like, oh, I could have done that so much better. Or if I'd phrased this differently, we could be teaming right now instead of um, feeling like there's some kind of conflict. So just thinking about some really concrete steps. So our first tip around this is to make sure that the first conversation you have with a caregiver is about anything besides an unexpected behavior. So take advantage of every opportunity to have informal conversations with family members make positive phone calls home, let kids, caregivers know at every single opportunity that you care about their kid. Pick up, drop off, football game, um, you know, in front office, any opportunity you get, let them know how much you care about your kid and how excited you are that they're a part of your school. And that's gonna make that conversation when there has been an unexpected behavior so much easier. Um, when you do have to have that conversation, we recommend, a few key elements. The first one is to always start with care. So always start by talking about how much you care about, appreciate um, their child, um, and that that's the first and most important thing. We're not going to be able to get any further unless they understand that the reason we're having this conversation is because you care about their kid. Be really clear about what happened, you know, kind of just the facts, ma'am, like really letting them know exactly what occurred. Explain why you think it happened if you are able to do that. So if you can really get to that function of behavior, like, you know, I think they were really overwhelmed by all the sensory information in the space, or, you know, I've noticed they've had some competition with this student over here academically, and I think that might have contributed. Sharing that some of that motivation can help the parent understand that you're truly trying to understand where the student's coming from. And then be clear about what happens next. So if there's a consequence that has to occur, be really clear about that. It's not um, fair to anybody if you're hedging, right? Just say exactly what the next steps are, be really clear. And then always end your conversation with care again. So just really reiterating how much you care about the student. And if we're gonna work together, then we're gonna have so much more success. So um, yeah, those are the key components, and and we do have some model conversations of that in the book because it is those those calls are so hard to make when you're a new administrator um, or a teacher. Also, like it's just it's nerve wracking to feel like you're calling and sharing hard news about someone's kiddo. All right, Principal Matters listeners, the book is called Connecting Through Conversation: A Playbook for Talking with Students by Erica Bear and Tiffany Burns. And I'm just going to say this that when I was a young young educator that someone gave me a copy of Harry Wong's first days of school. And I read it probably four summers in a row yep. know, before every school year started, I would read it again just to make sure I was ready. You know, <laughs> I wanted to be the best at procedures and, and expectations. And, and this is going to be the book I'm going to be giving people now, especially administrators when it comes to how do you have those hard conversations and how do you navigate the science and the art around just the frameworks because it works, Eric and Tiffany, what you're saying works. And, and this was such a confirming read to go back and, and, and relive moments in my own leadership where I was like, wow, um, when is the last time I've had someone stop and just unpack the science of what works 
in 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 the in our field. And so thank you so much to both of you for not only doing the work, but then taking the time to unpack the science and the strategy and the meaning behind it. And also thank you for the opportunity now that you have to teach this to others. And so as we wrap up, I want listeners to know how can they stay connected with you? Um, and if they're interested in some of the work that you do providing professional development, consultation, facilitation of book studies, how can they get connected? Thank you, Will. That's um, very kind words. So we really appreciate it. The easiest way is through our website, which is connectingthroughconversation.com. Um, also, email works great, and that's hello at connectingthroughconversation.com. Um, and we would love to hear from folks. We we love working with schools. We love working with districts. Um, and we would be honored if folks would read our book. So thank you. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap up by giving the last word to Tiffany. Tiffany, what's that one thing that you would hope the leaders walk away thinking about today? Well, that at the very heart of education is connection. And so really, if we're wanting to um, to take kids, to move kids, to help kids learn and grow, we need to build those connections with them. Well, Principal Matters listeners, you just got to spend the last 35, 40 minutes with connecting with Erica Bear and Tiffany Burns. And I'm just so excited to um, to share this with you and, and encourage you to pick up a copy of their book. And I just want to remind you, if, as you're listening to the show today, that this work never gets easy. Um, even when you develop the skills, even when you think you've got some new muscle for problem solving, um, man, every single year I did the work, I would step in and suddenly encounter something I had never encountered before and go, hmm, I don't have that muscle yet, or I don't have that skill yet. And so we're all ongoing learners. We never perfect this, but I tell you what, it sure makes a difference when you take the time to learn from others and the experiences that they've had so that you can keep growing those muscles. So Principal Matters listeners, thank you for listening today, for growing your muscles, and thank you for doing what matters. And we'll talk to you again soon. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com. Check out the services link on williamdparker.com to learn more about Leadership Academies, Mastermind Offerings, and Executive Coaching. If you're planning professional development for the year ahead, or you're looking for keynote presentations from any of my books, please email me at will at williamdparker.com. Thank you for learning together today, and thanks again for doing what matters.